Welcome to What to Do When, a podcast from Real Lawyers with Real Perspective, where we explore a variety of legal issues and scenarios. Each week, we focus on a new topic and discuss what to do when and if any of these legal scenarios ever happen to you or a loved one. With over 40 years of combined legal experience, our hosts offer their unique perspectives and insights on a range of real-life legal situations. Hello and welcome to another episode of What to Do When, a podcast of Kreiser Cardani. I'm here with Will today. How you doing, Will? Doing well, Scott. How are you? I'm doing well. What's on the docket for today, Will? Uh, Scott, we're discussing landlord-tenant issues. So what to do when you're a landlord or what to do when you're a tenant or both? Well, this this particular podcast is, is directed towards those landlords out there and what to do when you have a tenant who is either not paying or has broken some portion of their lease. Well, isn't it pretty true that COVID really tripped this whole process out and really changed everything? Yeah, we had about a two-year uh, hold on evictions uh, in the state of Virginia. Wow. Uh, there were some exceptions where you could kind of get around, but yeah, for the most part, we have landlords that um, you know had issues uh, with tenant paying and you know a lot of landlords... Uh, or paying mortgages or have to yeah. you know, pay back a bank for for a loan or whatever the case may be. And so they weren't getting paid, but then they had no recourse when they had tenants who weren't paying their, their rent. Yeah. It's a, that's an ugly side of it that nobody really sees. The landlord's always considered a bad guy, but a lot, you know, we, we know there's some slum lords and people who really take sure, advantage sure, of people, sure. but there's also just normal everyday people. This is their business. And they're relying on that rent, like you said, to pay that mortgage. So, you know, Absolutely. These, that's where we are. So what do you want to tell us about landlords today? Well, one of the main it? things that I think that landlords need to know, the number one thing that landlords need to know <laughs> is you can't just kick somebody out because you want to. Really? Yeah. I mean, you might not like them or you might not, you know, like their family that they have or their kids. All right, kids. well, wait a minute. My son, Caleb Cardani, he's he's living in my basement. I can't just kick him out if I want to. Well, is he paying rent? He's paying rent. Yeah, you can't just kick him out then. But he's only paying like $25 a month. I mean, so he, he, it is, I mean, as far as he is uh, paying something, you know, he's going to be protecting the laws of the state, you know, when it comes to landlord-tenant. All right. So explain that to him. So as long as they're paying rent, it doesn't matter the amount, correct? That's, that's correct. I mean, if they are paying, I mean, you might want to say that it's it's fair value for whatever the space is, but I mean, who, de- who determines that? Okay. Does it matter if you have a contract? Doesn't matter if you have a contract. No. So, and that, that's I think that's a big misnomer to people. So, for instance, and we're just using Caleb as kind of a joke today, but as Caleb lives in somewhere else. Anyways, <laughs> um, he's in our basement. We were nice enough to rent him a space for twenty five dollars a month, but you know what? He's not paying. Uh, he's not obeying the general rules of the property, so to speak. So we want to move him out. So. I never did a contract with him. I just said, yeah, you can live in the basement $25 a month. And he said, I'm not moving, Dad. So what do I have to do as the landlord? Well, so if he's paying on a monthly basis, then under the law, what you're required to do is give him a 30-day notice. Okay. And so if he's paying every 30 days, then it's 30-day notice. If he's paying every week, then it's a seven-day notice. So it kind okay. of depends on um, the course of action that both of you are taking. So frequency of payment is really the standard. That's the big standard that we're looking at, especially when we don't have a, a lease in, in place. Okay. And if um, the lease is in place, obviously, folks, you follow the lease, whatever that says. And so. yeah, I mean, if, if you're a landlord and you have you know, one, one rental property or a hundred rental properties, you know, I think general rule of thumb is to make sure that you have uh, something written in place that you know what your recourse is in the event that your uh, tenant isn't doing what they're supposed to be doing. And you can help people with that part of it too, just so we're clear, you brought that up. But as far as drafting leases and preparing leases and even looking over somebody's lease to say, because you're going to court all the time on these, you know it's going to fly and what's not going to fly, correct? That's right. So, okay. I mean, uh, I've, I've done a number of uh, 
commercial leases, uh, residential leases. I've reviewed them for, for clients uh, in anything that they need and just to make sure that they're protected in the event that their landlord, I mean, that their, their tenant defaults. All right. So we're back to Caleb in the basement. I want him out. Come to you. And what do I, what's my first step as a landlord? So again, don't just throw all this stuff outside and say, hey, you can't live here anymore. <laughs> okay. Because uh, then he'll Caleb. be able to come back at you. Uh, but the first thing you have to do is give him notice. And so notice that, you know, you haven't paid your rent. And if you don't pay within a month, using the, uh, Caleb's example, uh, then you will take the, the necessary steps by filing with the court uh, to then so, initiate that eviction process. So that has to be formal in writing, correct? I can't yes. just, can it be an email? It could be email if that's the way that you normally communicate. So uh, it's the key is normally communicate, normal it, communication. It can correct? be, it can be a text message. Yeah. Okay. Um, but if you don't normally communicate in any other way than in person, then the best way to, way to handle it is to put a letter in the mail and, or put a letter, you know, at their door and say, Hey, here's the deal. You have a month right now to pay your rent or I'm going to file with the court. So, so you have to wait a month. And so that 30 days run, I've still got Caleb in the basement. I've still got no payment from Caleb. What do I do next? Next step is then go ahead and file what is called an unlawful detainer with the district court in the jurisdiction in which the uh, the round property is. Is that notice called – let me back up one quick because I want to make sure I have it right. The notice that you have to give is called a pay or quit notice, right? Standard notice that we're going to give uh, a tenant is a pay or quit notice. Uh, and that's that letter saying, hey, you haven't paid. You need to pay within 30 days or you're out. You owe $25. You owe $50. You yeah. owe you know, two or three months rent. And that's the word pay or quit. Quit the lease or pay. So correct, that's where – okay, correct. sorry. I want to make sure we have that – because people hear those words sometimes and have no idea what it means. So. Oh, sure. Yeah, so, yeah. Moving uh, on, we're going to file the court what's called an unlawful detainer. Unlawful detainer. Uh, you're going to file it with the court. Typically, the courts are giving you about a 21-day turnaround before you're able to get before a judge. Okay. Um, so that uh, that unlawful detainer summons will be served on the defendant, notifying them of their court date. If they come at that court date, uh, they have the ability to say, I don't know this money. Um, or they can say, yes, I do. And so the judge can then take action on that first return date. Okay. And so folks, just so you understand, general district court is, is an interesting thing. When you show up that first hearing, you're not always going to have a trial that first hearing. If the person who you're bringing to court is going to contest the fact that they owe money, then the court's going to set that down for a later trial date. If they don't contest, in other words, they say, yeah, I owe them the money, then the judge is going to enter it right there, enter the amount and what's the next step? Well, so, also, I mean, if so, in, in the latter situation, if they say this is the amount, you know, the judgment that you receive as the landlord, they will also give you possession of the premises. Okay. Um, Do you have to file a separate notice for possession? No, you don't. Okay. No, you don't. Uh, it's all part of the same uh, unlawful detainer hearing. So, um, in the other instance, though, when people are contesting it, saying, I don't know this money or, you know, whatever the case may be, my landlord has violated uh, the lease yes. agreement. Um, then what the court will do will set it out for a contested trial um, on a later date. Um, and then at that later date, the judge will make that decision whether or not, um, you know, you have, you know, defaulted or if, you know, if you haven't, and, you know, we'll, we'll decide it then. So well, how do you get it if there's, say, um, we get to that stage either the trial or you, you you admit to it in court, but there's, I'm still claiming Caleb tore up my basement, man. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. The toilet, he broke the toilet. Um, you know, he didn't ever clean the sink. It's just, I have to replace the sink. The walls are... Well, and that's why, that, right, we, that example that you're giving, I mean, it, that's the, why I think it's so important to have a lease agreement because in your lease agreement, you'll spell out if, if the damage is more than just normal wear and tear, then you know uh, you could be on the hook for it, or your your security deposit will be applied 
to it okay. before we come after you for the rest of it. Um, but you have the ability to still recover any damages that you suffer as a result of. You Is know, there a separate filing you had to do to do that? It depends. It okay. depends. Uh, it can be made part of the same filing. Um, if you're saying, but, but a lot of times we don't know yet, right? Because yeah. we, the, the tenant is still in the, in the premises. And so we're so the important part is possession, right? So the main thing is getting possession and then you can file after the fact, if you realize, well, this toilet's broken, he broke this yeah, you know, okay. window, he did this, you know, whatever the case may be. So, uh, a lot of times it's going to be a separate action. You file for those damages. But, um, yeah, if, if you're aware of it, because I know I have had clients who have had exterior damage to the premises that was caused by a tenant. And so we included that as part of the, the money we were seeking as part of that case. Okay. Is there a specific thing that's called when you file that with the court for that damages or? Uh, warning debt. Okay. Same way as you would for any other case where, where there'd be a breach of contract or something else. All right. What else can you tell the people that they need, landlords that they need to know right now? So one other thing uh, is that uh, once you get that judgment, right, where you get yep. possession or, or where you get the money judgment in your favor, the tenant has 10 days to appeal it. Okay. In most cases now, and especially because of the two-year uh, halt that we had on evictions, where if you got judgment, the judge wouldn't set an appeal bond. Uh, but nowadays, if you get a $5,000 judgment, the judge is going to set a $5,000 appeal bond in the event that okay. the, tenant, the tenant wants to appeal it. Um, after that 10 days is run, the tenant is still in the uh, in the rental property. Uh, then you can go to the court, get what's called a writ of eviction. Okay. A writ of eviction just states that, you know, judge gave me possession of this, of this property 10 days ago. Now we're asking the sheriff's office and whatever jurisdiction you're in to go out. Give this tenant notice. They have 72 hours to leave. And if they don't leave within that period of time, on whenever the return date is, the uh, the sheriff's deputies will help you with your stuff <laughs> and help you move out. And that's the time you the stuff gets moved out in the court, court out in the curb, so to speak, and left. Yes. So these these terms, there's a lot of you know these Latin terms, writ, you know, and all these kind of things. But really, it's just a, a word that means look, you're going to get that possession, but you're also going to get help to get people out. Absolutely. And so that's really important to know. Um, appeal bond, you kind of went over that fast, but I think this is really important for people and landlords to know. If you're in court, you need to make sure, and this is why you really want to hire somebody like Will or us, our firm for this kind of stuff, but that's an important thing that sometimes judges don't remember to do. You know, when a, the guy wants to appeal it, and you want to set that, you want to make sure that appeal bond set for that amount because number one, it keeps frivolous appeals from happening. Right, delaying the process even more. Yeah, number two, your money's kind of secured in the court, so it's there. If they really want to appeal it and they, they have a good issue, that's fine, but the money's there at the court, so you don't have to go back after them to find it. So the appeal bond is a really can be a really good tool of the court used properly. I, I, I think sometimes it's not, but. As a rule, that's something as a good practitioner, we, we're going to help you through and help you get. So even if they appeal it, you is there any attorney's fees or anything like that you can get as a landlord? It, so it depends. Okay. If, um, if you are trying to have somebody removed, um, but you're not asking for any money, <laughs> if you're just saying, like, I want this person out, then uh, typically under the code, well, under the code, it says no. The judge has some discretion, yeah. but in most cases like that, the judge isn't going to give you any attorney's fees. Uh, if you have a lease agreement, almost every lease agreement that I have prepared for uh, clients include attorney, attorney's fees in the event that we have to litigate uh, a landlord-tenant issue. And again, folks, that's why it's so important to have a lawyer involved, especially if you're going to get in this as a business and you don't know what you're doing. There's all kinds of leases online, and I'm not going to lie to you. There's Rocket, whatever, lawyers, and all kinds of stuff. But you want somebody who's going to personally tailor this to you, what your needs are, and really talk you through all the ups and downs, ins and outs of this so you're when you do, and you will, if you're going to be a landlord, you're going to be in this situation where Caleb's in your basement and you can't get him out, 
and you've got to walk that through. And if you've got all the steps in that written document of how you're going to execute all this, then Caleb's contentions really fall short, and he usually is going to lose that case. Whereas if it's an oral contract, eh, you know, there's a lot more wiggle room there. So it's really important that you do this right. Anything uh, else you want to say, Will? Well, I wanted to say something about as far as you touching on, you know, going online. I mean, I've, I've had more than one client. I've had actually <laughs> multiple clients who have prepared their own lease agreement, and then they have a tenant issue, you know, where they say the tenant has breached the lease. And then you look at the lease – and you realize, well, this lease is under California law. This <laughs> lease is, this, you know, nothing about this lease is binding. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, it, it really is, you know, in your best interest. I mean, nobody thinks when they're get, getting into these things that they're going to have an issue. Everybody comes in and thinks that everything is going to be, you know, rainbow, rainbows and uh, butterflies. But, you know, really what it comes down to is kind of like preparing for the worst case scenario. So, you know, making sure that you have a solid lease in place is going to is going to be what protects your rights as a landlord. All right, folks. Again, thanks for joining us today. Um, hope you learned a little bit about being a landlord. Number one, we think the most important thing is to make sure that you have it in writing and that you know what you're doing. Number two, remember that this is a court process and you can't really just throw somebody out. That can create all kinds of problems with damaged property and all kinds of things. And number three, remember, we're here for you. Um, these are very important issues. And the better the better job you do up front with the lease itself the better you're going to be in the long process of this. And um, and when you do run into trouble, which most likely you will, can be really an easy trouble or a hard trouble, depending on how you handle it. Absolutely. Thanks again. Like and subscribe, and we'll be talking to you soon. Thank you. Thanks. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of What to Do When. For more episodes, be sure to subscribe to our podcast, and we encourage you to check our archives to listen to previous topics. Tune in next week for a new episode and some fresh perspective from Kreiser Cardani.